Topic of uh, our demo talk tonight is uh, going to be liberation. Now, and uh, with this, uh, we'll uh, come, uh, so to speak, full circle with our series of uh, demo talks. And uh, you might uh, remember. Uh, that in you know, the beginning you know, there was mention of uh, you know, you know, the various goals uh, you know, uh, with uh, that one you know, can pursue in the meditation practice differently expressed, you know, but in the end, in, in the, you know, the end, all boiling down you know, to you know, just a few things, and uh, one of them is uh, liberation, vimutti impani. Now. When it comes to you know, the water of an, of an ocean, well, if we taste a little bit of water you know, from its surface, and so if we taste a little bit of water, a sip of water you know, from the middling region of you know, the ocean, or you know, when we you know, taste a sip of water you know, from the depth of the ocean, the taste will be which one? it's going to be the same and what is the taste salty yes indeed so it will be the same salty taste uh, throughout and uh, to stay more or less with the same you know, illustration whether you know, we drink um, a small amount of uh, salt water or um, maybe uh, a cup full of it or a bucket full of it, it would still be the same uh, taste, namely a salty taste. So, just like this salty you know, taste you know, pervades you know, the entire ocean from its uh, you know, surface all the way you know, down to its depth, so too there is one taste that pervades the Buddha's teachings. And whether we you know, practice you know, you know, the beginning you know, phase or begin you know, the, the uh, let's say um, primary you know, aspects of uh, you know, the Buddha's teachings, elementary aspects of the Buddha's teachings, such as uh, um, well you know, practicing generosity dana and you know, then taking precepts, observing you know, precepts or we uh, practice the Buddha's Dhamma at its intermediate level, namely in the form of uh, you know, uh, the training, concentration, samatha, or you know, vipassana, or um, when we practice the Buddha's uh, teachings at uh, its highest uh, level, namely in the form of uh, some super mundane realization, the taste will be uh, one and the same. And what is this taste? The taste of liberation. Yes, indeed. And you know, 
this taste of liberation pervades or permeates you know, all or the entirety of uh, you know, the Buddhist uh, teachings uh, in the beginning, in the middle, uh, at uh, the end. And the degree to which you know, we experience you know, this you know, liberation will you know, depend on how much effort we put into you know, the practice. So, if we you know, practice with a small amount of uh, effort, then you know, we'll experience uh, liberation uh, or the taste of liberation only to a small extent. You know, when we make a, you know, or exert more efforts uh, in the practice, let's say some uh, average amount of uh, effort, then you know, we shall experience this taste of freedom you know, to an uh, average you know, degree. And when we exert a big amount of effort, then we shall reap corresponding results, namely as uh, um, tasting much of that uh, freedom or uh, liberation. So, the taste of freedom or the taste of liberation, we mutti rasa in the Pali scriptural language, is uh, uh, one uh, way of expressing what uh, the Buddha's teachings are all about. Now, remember, now, during the you know, first few you know, Dhamma talks, not the very first one, but the first few, there you know, was mention of the gradual path of training. And we then, you know, step by step, you know, looked into or explored you know, the different aspects, such as uh, you know, the initial you know, arising of uh, or hearing, hearing the Buddha's Dhamma in one form or another, and you know, then based on this, you know, the arising of some initial faith. And this then leading to you know, thoughts of renunciation, temporary or permanent, and this this in turn you know, then leading to you know, the voluntary practice of uh, a virtuous certain conduct, namely Nesila, and so, you know, then uh, the next step uh, as part of this gradual path of training you know, is uh, you know, the practice or is the restraint of uh, the senses. And then uh, this is to be uh, complemented by you know, the practice or the training in uh, mindfulness and certain clear comprehension, so sati sampajanya, and so. Uh, then, in this connection, also you know, the text or the relevant passage you know, mentions you know, the you know, selection of an appropriate secluded place for practice, and so, you know, then um, comes or next comes the overcoming of uh, you know, the five uh, hindrances, and uh, once this has been uh, accomplished. Yeah, then concentration you know, becomes quite you know, strong and you know, this thing you know, will lead to you know, the arising of you know, wisdom, the first uh, you know, form of wisdom, wisdom namely discerning you know, mind and matter. 
and so when a meditator then goes on to practice then sooner or later and all of you have done this uh, a meditator will intuitively understand and not intellectually that the same bodily as well as mental formations are connected by cause and effect and so once so, now, this understanding is there, now, then quite naturally you know, will you know, one certain meditation deepen further and lead a meditator you know, to a direct certain understanding of uh, you know, the so-called three universal characteristics, anicca, dukkha, and anatta. And so you know, we've gone you know, both theoretically as well as practically uh, into you know, those certain three aspects. So by now, um, after almost 20 days of intensive practice, you are uh, probably quite familiar with them. Now, once this has been achieved, and so the flaws of the condition formations have been seen by a meditator to some extent, and this same meditator then continues to practice, and not just you know for a few more days, but for longer stretches, and then at the very end of you know, the path there comes uh, you know, the experience of uh, final liberation. And liberation, um, not, certainly in the side, not in the sense of uh, gaining political independence, um, or <laughs> from a yogi's point of view, <laughs> liberation in the sense that you now can do and say whatever you like, and then you know, <laughs> throw the precepts overboard and so on, uh, but rather you know, liberation from you know, the mental you know, defilements. And so, so a person who has suddenly gained full you know, liberation, final you know, liberation, you know, then and would uh, typically, as is recorded uh, you know, many times in you know, the text, uh, might then utter you know, the following you know, pain of joy, namely, and I'm quoting from Ajima Nikaya, um, Forever am I liberated. This is the last time I'm here. I'm born. No new existence waits for me. So, you know, this is an, you know, a pain of joy you know, uttered, what do you think, by an, an ordinary, you know, ignorant worldling, or you know, is it a pain of joy uttered you know, by an arahant? Uh, or is it a jumping of joy uttered by all of you here? <laughs> Maybe not quite yet, but who knows? Five years from now it could be, it could turn into reality. Um, so, such such kind of verse of joy will be uttered or can be uttered only by one who has completely done away with those taints, namely 
essential, the taint of sensual you know, desire, and then the taint of you know, desire for existence, or desire for existence, bhava, asava, and then the taint of ignorance, avijja, asava. And so only once these or in gaining path knowledge of of an arahant, these taints get eradicated, and with this then arahantship is realized. So this then marks the final goal of a meditator's meditation practice. Now, and this resonates with what was said at the very outset of this retreat, namely that the goals for the practice can be, or you know, the Buddha himself has stated these goals you know, for the you know, practice in you know, different you know, words, such as you know, crossing the flood that is so hard to cross, that's one way and a simple way of expressing it, or or to gain this taste of liberation, Vimutirasa. And then another way of expressing this goal was by giving it as true knowledge and liberation, so Vijja and Vimutti. And then a slightly more elaborated or elaborate way of expressing it or stating it is as purity, knowledge and Nibbana. Now, the Pali term Vimutti Rasa consists of two parts, namely Vimutti and Rasa. Rasa is certainly your function or you know, your taste, and Vimutti is simply you know, well, liberation, freedom, you know, deliverance. And so, or even you know, release, release or emancipation. And so, thus, Vimutti Rasa you know, then is the taste of freedom or you know, the taste of for uh, emancipation as uh, or a you know, taste of uh, liberation as you like now uh, this liberation vimutti uh, is of different kinds and so you know, we can uh, it is partly uh, liberation on a temporary basis as we go through you know, the different insight knowledges and then uh, liberation in a more you know, super mundane you know, sense. Now, the way uh, this certain word and I get certain explained is certain fivefold, namely as certain liberation or deliverance by substitution of opposites. And this is certainly something that very much applies you know, to you know, the insight uh, meditation practice. So, you know, Satipatthana meditation as we're practicing it uh, here. And what this means is, and it has been explained before, 
event certain wrongful perceptions get replaced through an opposite and certain to give you one example namely the contemplation of disgust or revulsion or disenchantment these are three different names for the same thing abandons or substitutes the uh, wrongful perception of uh, the formations as delightful and so, you know, so you know, thinking and this is what we usually do that you know, the ordinary conditioned phenomena uh, are uh, rather interesting and rather delightful let's enjoy them uh, as much as possible and so, so that's then changes and the you know, the second way of uh, liberation or you know, freedom is certain by a way of suppression and so this usually happens you know, through you know, concentration and it is something uh, it is a particular procedure um, you know, procedure happening that certainly takes place both in the samatha meditation so when one practices the jhanas as well as in Satipatthana meditation and this kind of freedom or liberation by suppression occurs and you're familiar with it when the five hindrances are present in our practice and then concentration gradually increases and with the help of concentration those certain hindrances then will be suppressed and uh, it's not that uh, they are uprooted from the stream of consciousness uh, you know, through the activity of concentration but rather you know, they're kind of uh, uh, oh, kept down or kept at a low profile they can't raise their heads uh, so to speak and so with this then the you know, practice you know, moves on you know, somewhat more you know, smoothly and usually you know, then wisdom can uh, arise in the context of insight meditation now liberation by cutting off is another you know, form and certainly liberation or freedom by cutting off uh, with regard to defilements happens with which event who knows Yes, indeed, the path, that's certainly quite correct. And what we mean by this is not you know, the so-called forerunner path, the preliminary path, but the noble path, the supermundane path, you know, which attains uh, you know, stream entry or any of the other four levels, four other three uh, levels of enlightenment. And so, so you know, freedom by cutting off means that certain fetters or certain you know, defilements will be uprooted, will be uh, eradicated, you know, from extirpated you know, from the mind once and forever. Once this has happened, they'll never come back. 
And so, so this then marks a major, so to speak, a revolution in one's certain stream of consciousness, and it's kind of like throwing some unnecessary burden baggage overboard. And so the result, literally, is a sense of relief. This is usually what meditators certainly say. Now, freedom or liberation by tranquilization is uh, another, is the fourth form, and this uh, refers to the experience of uh, fruition knowledge. So, pala in the Pali scriptural language. As explained last night to John, there's path knowledge or path consciousness, magajeta, and this then will be followed by you know, fruition consciousness or pana chitta and so when a meditator experiences this fruition consciousness you know, then uh, indeed uh, or the result of that is uh, well, a calming a further calming of uh, you know, the mind the mind becomes rather uh, peaceful and so, uh, then uh, the uh, fifth and last uh, form of uh, freedom or you know, of, uh, liberation is given as uh, uh, or is achieved by renunciation and uh, this is uh, referring uh, to uh, Nibbana and since in Nibbana you know, one or, or in order to you know, for, for this uh, experience of Nibbana to become possible one just has to uh, renounce all uh, conditioned uh, formations. So, uh, at least on a temporary basis, one has to say goodbye you know, to seeing you know, visible objects and hearing sounds and so, so on and so forth. Now, towards uh, the ending portion of uh, the Satipatthana Sutta, so the discourse on the establishment of mindfulness, there is mention of a prediction. Namely, in the sense that whoever undertakes this practice of Satipatthana will, and then, then the discourse gives a number of time periods. So within seven years, six years, five years, four years, so three years, two years, one year, and then seven months, six months, and so on, and then down to weeks and down to seven days. So within these certain varying lengths of time, a meditator is guaranteed to guaranteed or will at least lead to one of two results. Namely, what do you think? The attainment of stream entry and so you know, the path of uh, one's return, or well, the Buddha is even bolder than this, and he says it will the practice will lead at least to, you know, the to, uh, the attainment of the two higher stages of uh, enlightenment or awakening. 
So, um, the highest possible uh, goal can be achieved certainly with the practice of uh, Satipatthana. Now, when one undertakes this practice, then certain mental defilements or mental or, or you know, fetters are or will be uprooted, and so with the attainment of you know, the. Uh, first path of stream entry, as we've discussed already, three fetters will go, namely the fetter of the wrongful belief in the existence of a self, and then furthermore the fetter of wrong of skeptical doubt, which and then as number three, the belief wrongful belief in rites and rituals, namely that with their help one can gain the Dhamma. And with the second level of attainment, well, which other fetters get uprooted? Who knows? Yes? Um, not quite. <laughs> this was a trick question. <laughs> Namely, the two that you've mentioned will be attenuated, will be weakened, but not uprooted. And so the, the sense desire and so, you know, the fetter of sense desire and the fetter of uh, the ill will or you know, anger you know, will be uprooted only uh, at, so, you know, or with the attainment of uh, the third so, you know, path of uh, you know, of anagamihood, so of non-return. Now, these first five are known as the five lower fetters. Um, that's uh, fetter human beings or bind uh, human beings uh, to uh, the round of uh, existence. So as long as these fetters or unwholesome mental states are there, uh, they will uh, make us uh, go around the cycle of samsara over and over again. So this means uh, now we're enjoying a human existence uh, and uh, we're adults, so we've past schooling already and gradually we're heading towards death and then comes the next existence and we have to do it all over again. Get born and then scream and wet our diapers and then learn walking to stand on our feet and then this body needs to grow, and so then we need, need to you know, get some schooling, and so in primary school we have to go through this, and then secondary school, and tertiary uh, education. How much time and effort this takes. And so, so just imagine this over and over again. And don't forget, in between you might fall sick, and so, you know, then get wrinkles, and, <laughs> and gradually your eyesight will get weaker and weaker and so on. So, and this is not necessarily uh, a pleasant outlook. And so, 
And then with the you know, attainment of arahanship, uh, so you know the fourth and final you know, path, a meditator you know, then uh, will uproot the so-called you know, remaining five higher factors, and so, you know, these in the Pali language are known as udambagya samyojana, and. And they are given as uh, the you know, desire you know, for fine material existence, so you know, wanting to be reborn as a celestial being, and so, you know, then desire for immaterial existence, so you know, like uh, you know, the arupa, you know, jhanas, or you know, like like a brahma, and so, you know, then you know, pride and conceit, mana, restlessness, udicca, so, and the last one mentioned the most difficult factor to uproot from the stream of consciousness is that of ignorance now this is just for general knowledge um, for you to understand how with uh, these certain three attain or or three paths, namely first path, third path, and fourth path, certain fetters, certain uh, unwholesome mental states uh, get uh, uprooted. Now, when it comes to the realization of uh, the Dhamma, when it comes to the experience of uh, liberation or freedom, uh, there is a hot uh, discussion that has been going on, uh, not just for some years, uh, but already for many uh, centuries. And it's the discussion whether this realization of liberation is taking place um, gradually or uh, whether it's taking place uh, instantaneously. And so so, uh, this has been discussed over and over again. And what the Buddha states uh, in uh, this uh, connection is uh, simply which means because and bhikkhunis male and female meditators I do not say that final knowledge or final liberation in our context is achieved all at once on the contrary final knowledge or liberation is achieved by gradual training by gradual practice, by gradual progress. And so along the same line, you know, we have Dhammapada you know, verse 239, which uh, substantiates uh, the point you know, by saying, by degrees, little by little, from moment to moment, a wise man or woman removes his or her own mental defilements as a smith you know, removes the dross of silver or gold. And the 
And the text also give a wonderful illustration for this, and this illustration can be found in Majima Nikaya, Volume 1, Section 104, but also in the Samyutta Nikaya, the Angutra Nikaya, and yet in another place in the Majima Nikaya. Namely, our practice or, you know, is some, or can be compared you know, to our practice of sitting on the cushion and so on can be compared to a hen sitting on her eggs and all she needs to do is to sit there <laughs> and um, the war she doesn't even have to do anything about some um, providing warmth this will happen quite naturally so she'll just be sitting there and sitting there and sitting there occasionally she'll get up and uh, pick some uh, food and suddenly uh, then uh, diligently uh, knowing very well her task uh, return to her uh, task of sitting on her eggs and as uh, she keeps doing this uh, she will uh, contribute to, uh, to uh, the incubation of uh, those uh, uh, chicks now when as time approaches well the chicks contained in the eggs they will well, their beaks form and get stronger and stronger and they start well picking at the shell and eventually hatching from those eggs now so um, the process of uh, the mother hen sitting on you know, the eggs is you know, a gradual process that takes a relative uh, you know, amount of uh, time whereas the hatching of those certain uh, chinks is certain uh, rather a matter of uh, a few moments and likewise for you know, the meditators a meditator um, who, in a, in a diligent manner and unrelentingly, you know, keeps uh, you know, warming his or her you know, zafu sooner or later <laughs> will bring about uh, uh, or will contribute to uh, some incubation of knowledge. And so, you know, then you know, the actual you know, you know, realization of this knowledge or freedom you know, is just a matter of a few mind moments. So, um, the Buddha in essence says uh, that um, it is a gradual path that, or the path, the, the practice is gradual in the sense that as we go along this so-called you know, forerunner path or preliminary path, which means that as we go through the different insight knowledges, this just takes time. And for some you know, less and for some uh, you know, a little bit longer. However, sooner or later we'll all get certain to our destination and then when the right conditions are you know, present you know, then the realization of the Dhamma the realization of you know, freedom or liberation is just a matter of uh, one or two moments now 
in the context of you know, this discussion, of course, uh, people point you know, to you know, examples you know, from the time of the Buddha you know, where you know, certain um, disciples of the Buddha or uh, members of an audience or some ascetics of different traditions you know, would certainly come and meet the Buddha, hear a discourse, and certainly then uh, gain uh, you know, the Dhamma. And so it seems like all so simple, so easy. Uh, it ends happening so quickly. However, and despite of uh, this appearance, one should not forget, and oftentimes it's not mentioned uh, in the text, uh, that probably these different people who did gain realization quite quickly had already uh, practiced uh, to some extent, or uh, at least uh, perfected their paramis to some extent. Now, in in a general sense, the realization of uh, the Dhamma, the getting the final taste of uh, freedom or liberation, uh, may happen um, in any uh, in any posture. It may happen while you are in sitting meditation, but it may also happen while you are doing the walking meditation really uh, mindfully from moment to moment, and uh, it may also happen during the standing meditation or during the lying meditation or any kind of general uh, activity. So, as long as mindfulness is there, then uh, uh, this experience can uh, take place. And since we all have uh, this potential to gain the Buddha, however, we keep encountering all sorts of difficulties, and the Buddha is very well aware of this. He exhorts his disciples in the following way, namely, meditate, don't be negligent. So, just keep going. And in Burma, and there is a nice sort of illustration for this. Namely, when a person happens to be in Yangon, which until recently was the capital of the country, but now no more, is no more, and the capital has been shifted somewhere else, more in the center of the country. And so, you know, so, when a person somewhere in Yangon wants to visit you know, the very famous Shwedagon Pagoda, well, what does he or she need to do first? Hmm? Who knows? Just start uh, walking? Find out where it is. Find out where it is, yes, and then, and then, and then what next? Find out where it is. This is one step, and so, 
and then that you know, and then uh, direct his body in that uh, you know, direction and uh, and so once you, you know, once you know, you know the rough direction of the Shwiravan Pagoda then all that remains for you to do is just uh, you know, place one step or one foot in front of the other and sooner or later you'll get there and so, so for some it may take a little bit longer those who take short steps you know, but you know, those who take long steps you know, might get there uh, a little bit uh, uh, more quickly and so um, as long as our meditation practice is certain uh, direct or is uh, heading in the right certain uh, direction, namely towards certain uh, liberation, and that uh, we keep you know, being, we we keep exerting effort into, we keep being you know, mindful from moment to moment, uh, and so on, you know, then sooner or later you know, we'll get there. Now, of course, within a 20-day retreat, it's somewhat unlikely to realize the final goal of full liberation. However, there are certain uh, aspects uh, that are worth uh, considering and knowing while one is uh, on the path. And, and so, when one has chosen uh, this certain spiritual path towards certain liberation, then it's uh, and then it would be unrealistic uh, or almost unrealistic you know, to spend all of one's life in you know, retreat. Only very, very few uh, have you know, the fortune you know, to you know, do this. And so, so for most people, even for the monastics, uh, you know, the, it is more an, a matter of alternating an occasional intensive retreat you know, with you know, a period of you know, daily practice at home. And so if one keeps doing this over a longer period of time, you know, then you know, the Dhamma you know, will start um, unfolding. At first a little bit, and you know, then gradually as we go on, more and more. Now in this context, you know, the development, you know, the unfolding of our meditation practice during intensive practice in comparison to you know, the unfolding of our meditation during daily practice tends to be what? Uh, rather, rather slow or quick? During intensive practice, quick, and uh, furthermore, also steep. There will be a steep uh, um, development. Whereas with daily practice, uh, uh, it may uh, uh, well uh, go. Uh, the events unfolding will be not that steep. Now. 
when one uh, had when one does a retreat, you know, let's say first time or even second, third time, whatever, and so, you know, then has certain you know, certain positive experiences in the practice, like experiencing the you know, ten imperfections of insight, and one then comes to a convict you know, conviction or decision. Yes, this is it. This is what certain I want to continue you know, to you know, develop. Um, then, and one does so, then over time one will notice changes. Changes in, uh, with regard to one's own life in various certain ways. Now, meditators usually experience over time an improvement in you know, their virtue. So virtue sealer, ethic and ethical code of conduct. If uh, at the you know, before intensive practice or at the very beginning of it, one you know, maybe didn't even have a notion of uh, what virtue is all about, you know, then gradually you know, these certain changes, and gradually you know, one realizes how important you know, this is for you know, one's certain spiritual you know, work, and so one pays more and more attention to it. And, and there is, in the context of Sila, uh, a connection here to mindfulness. Namely, the more our mindfulness develops, the more you know, we are acutely tuned into or aware of uh, you know, what is happening from moment to moment, especially in our mind, and we can catch all you know, the different uh, intentions or impulses that might come up in the mind. And some of them may be you know, destructive and others may be constructive. You know, then uh, the mindfulness will be the clue. And so, so if mindfulness is present and in the face of some unwholesome uh, or negative uh, intention, then we can catch it. We can catch it, we're mindful of it, and so, you know, we can pause for you know, just a moment or two in a, long enough to you know, reflect and to realize, oh, you know, if I were to you know, uh, act on this uh, impulse, and then you know, probably this could have some bad uh, or negative consequences. So, better not to uh, act on it. And this you know, then you know, will you know, support uh, uh, the, you know, the sila, the virtue. And it will you know, ensure that once the virtue you know, remains certain pure, and uh, intact. Uh, whereas a person who is not accustomed you know, to you know, uh, mindfulness, to being you know, mindful from moment to moment, well, um, that person will you know, most likely act on you know, the impulse, and if it happens to be a negative impulse, you know, then you know, some negative consequences you know, may arise from this. Now, uh, what else certain changes in our uh, or, or through our you know, spiritual work over time? 
Concentration is another aspect. Namely, even if we happen to be the least or the greatly, greatly distracted person, and the mind continuously well, flitting here and flitting there, and it's all over the place, and we have a really hard time. We, we suffer, we suffer from what nowadays is called the attention deficit disorder. Then we might find with patients satipatthana practice that sooner or later our mental condition no longer fits the description of ADD. No, attention deficit disorder. Yes, indeed. And so. A word at first may seem like a, a big well, shortcoming in one's life. Then over time, then develops just into its opposite, namely into a state of very strong concentration. And please don't forget, now, when you do this uh, Satipatthana meditation, and even without Satna Jhana practice, then you are developing this momentary concentration, Kanika Samadhi, from moment to moment, using different, using different uh, ultimately existing uh, objects. So, paramata objects such as the rising and falling movement of the abdomen, pains and aches, and uh, various uh, mental states, as they are truly existing. And so, if you keep doing this over a longer period of time, let's say a month, two months or so, and eventually your momentary concentration, Kanika Samadhi, in conjunction with other relevant mental states, the enlightenment factors, gets so strong that it is strong enough to bring about an enlightenment experience. And an experience that has the power to uproot some unwholesome mental states from the mind once and forever. So, just see, or just try to fathom the potential of concentration that we all have and that we need to then realize. And so, um, in the course of our you know, spiritual, of carrying out our, you know, the spiritual work, you know, will our wisdom well deteriorate or you know, will it uh, uh, improve? What do you think? What will happen there? Uh, it will improve, uh, for sure. And at first, this wisdom will arise in just very simple ways. Just knowing the nature of one rising movement, knowing the nature of a falling movement, knowing the specific nature of some pain, some ache, some hardness, some softness, and then gradually also getting to know the different mental states, and so on. So, wisdom, and then discerning mind and matter, and and all of the other insight knowledges. So, as we you know, keep um, being mindful from moment to moment, we exert effort, concentration you know, builds, then wisdom is bound to arise. And 
as our wisdom uh, improves or increases uh, well stage by stage then um, on then which other wholesome mental state or factor does it strengthen who knows an increase of wisdom leads to an increase of which other mental state renunciation yes that will be one equanimity yes even more simple than this happiness everything is okay everything is (laughs) correct up to now there you go faith and so see it's very there's a very simple connection between uh, wisdom and uh, faith every time a meditator realizes a new the insight knowledge intuitively and not just intellectually but intuitively then um, this will make the meditator understand wow I'm seeing something that I've never seen before no, and there seems to be really something to this path really something is uh, happening and things keep changing uh, over and over again with this um, and on top of this one's experience you know, then you know, will accord uh, to you know, what is maybe said in the Dhamma talks or you know, what is uh, written in you know, the text and so as a result of this a, meditator, uh, a meditator's faith uh, uh, increases and of course not uh, necessarily in leaps and bounds but something in, in smaller uh, increments and as this keeps happening with each and every insight knowledge of, over time now the faith gets pretty strong now when we think of faith now then this faith is going to uh, or is, yeah, is going to undergo major changes namely from a rather volatile weak faith initial faith all the way to unshaken faith of a stream enterer a stream enterer who has unshaken faith in the Buddha Dhamma and Satya Sangha so that's a tremendous certain change that certain takes place now in the course of um, you know, pursuing this spiritual you know, path of uh, Satipatthana can you think of some other areas um, you know, in which major changes occur or may occur in your, uh, in your meditation in your life Balance, yes, indeed. Balance in the sense of uh, no, what equanimity, yes, indeed, is quite correct. And uh, um, so, before you know, we start uh, with intensive practice, you know, then we, you know, without even realizing it, you know, we may have a mind that the Venerable Sadhu Pandita you know, would certainly describe as a tender and very sensitive mind comes the slightest criticism the mind will shrink and wither and be very much concerned about the ego uh, losing or one's ego feels uh, threatened 
and sub, from this rather uh, rather tender state of uh, the mind gradually with more and more practice does well this mental factor of equanimity of balance of neutrality of mind first of all come into the foreground and then a meditator will recognize it and understand what this equanimity is all about and then gradually it gets stronger and stronger up to a point, in particular during that knowledge of equanimity bond formations, where equanimity is really top. And whatever may happen, one uh, is no longer affected by it. So it is, one then um, is, uh, well, um, one is like a drop of water. No, one is like a, uh, like a lotus leaf that is slanted a little bit, and uh, you drop some water on it. And so, will the water stick to the leaf or not? It will not stick. It will gradually slide off the leaf. So nothing will stick to the mind. So this will make a huge, huge difference in your daily life. If you can go through your daily life with a fair amount of equanimity, then things just don't bother you that much anymore. Other people may get irritated or sad or depressed and whatnot. And so you're just cruising along calmly and so in a very unaffected matter. Um, so apart from balance, can you think of any uh, any further improvements in our life condition or mental conditions, as you like? Health, yes, indeed. So the health, uh, the what gets worse? <laughs> <laughs> of course not. <laughs> although, although, just uh, uh, as an anecdote here. And as one you know, undertakes this practice, you know, sometimes you know, certain meditation experiences occur and uh, they seem uh, like uh, you know, some major health uh, or, or you know, the major health uh, concern or problem. And uh, you know, so just to give you an example, at a particular point in, in the meditation practice, uh, it is not uncommon for meditators to experience stabbing sensations in and around the heart area. And so, when these stabbing sensations, and they are not just mild stabbing sensations, but rather acute ones. And so, when these keep occurring, the first day, and then another day, and another day, and then uh, an uninformed meditator may surely think, Oh, my goodness, is this going to, is all of this leading to a heart or cardiac arrest? And so, so I better go, go as some of our friends did, go to Taos to, to the clinic there or to the hospital there and have, a, have my heart checked. And then 
the heart specialists there, they do all the necessary tests to find out what? Nothing is wrong. And so, so there are certain you know, Vipassana you know, phenomena that look like uh, no one is suffering from some you know, heart you know, disease or you know, there's another case at one point earlier point it feels like one is suffering from malaria going through it's, and when you, you know, when you experience it yourself oh it's dreadful I can tell you this and so, so you go, you go through periods of chills, no, and then, and then followed by periods of sweating. And on top of this, let's say you're doing your walking meditation, and or you intend to do walking meditation for one hour, and you can barely take the next step because you feel so exhausted, and you might barely make it back to your room to, well, not lie, lie down and rest. And uh, so it's not uncommon for meditators, especially in, in an Asian context where malaria is common, you know, to then start taking anti-malaria pills, <laughs> which uh, after a few days turns out uh, that it was the wrong. It turns out that it was the wrong decision. There is no malaria there. It's just practice-related. That's all. No. no so. What I'm saying is, that in the course of the meditation practice, you know, there are certain events that look like uh, an attack on our health, you know, but they're not. And so one just needs to you know, know this and you know, be just very you know, patient and you know, just weather you know, the storm, no matter what comes along next. So you know, this meditation practice, you know, oftentimes it does test you know, the individual meditators. So one does need some, some amount of courage. Now, so, the Vipassana helps, or Satipatthana meditation helps for health, yes, okay, and what next? Endurance. Endurance, yes, very much so. And um, to, give you, to give you a nice example for this, at the beginning of, of a retreat, no, so you come fresh from Taos so to you know, the Vanyasitos mountain refuge, then you, get the, you receive the first instructions and then you start practicing. And you know, just 10 or 20 minutes into the first sitting, you start experiencing already you know, some pains and aches. And so you know, as you're observing it, so, you know, you're trying really hard and you've got lots of energy you know, at the beginning, you know, so you work with it and you know, to your dismay that your know, pain even increases. And, uh, and then it gets uh, you know, well unbearable, excruciating, and eventually you have to you know, change your posture. Now, and so at that point, you know, at the very beginning of the practice, the endurance is still relatively weak. Now, a few days into the retreat, having already dealt with a number of other pains, that initial pain that you faced on the first day is nothing in comparison. It's just peanuts. And uh, <laughs> yes, 
And the reason is that um, back then your you know, level of endurance was weak, was rather low, and as you go along, you know, gradually your endurance suddenly improves, and you can put up you know, with more and more you know, pain cynics and more and more you know, mental you know, challenges. And so, you know, so it just keeps going like this. And and so, um, the Satipatthana practice really you know, leads to a strengthening of many different you know, factors, and endurance is you know, one of them. Now, um, what else can you think of? What about uh, positive qualities like uh, uh, joy and happiness? Are, you've heard all these talks on Dukkha and the Four Noble Truths of Dukkha. Um, you know, so you know, this practice leads us to you know, more and more Dukkha or less and less Dukkha? Huh? To happiness, yes, indeed. It leads us to you know, joy and uh, happiness. And as stated last night, the uh, experience of uh, you know, the breakthrough, you know, you know, breakthrough to you know, to the Dhamma, um, is accompanied uh, by a sense of deep or deep sense of uh, you know, joy and happiness. And uh, it's not you know, you know, this ordinary type of joy or happiness you know, that you experience you know, when you go you know, go out and you know, watch a movie. And so then, is that all in terms of changes? Are you satisfied with this little already? Well, if yes, then we can stop here. <laughs> so, no, no, Chris, what else do you have? Renunciation. Or renunciation. In, in, in which sense? Being less interested in material things, worldly things. So Chris is saying <coughs> renunciation in the sense of being less and less interested in worldly or material things. And this is absolutely correct. And you see, um, as a non-meditator, we think that for our happiness and well-being, we have to rely on, exter on external gadgets. So, uh, external gadgets like a computer or you know whatever you know, latest computer game is around, or having all sorts of material possessions, or doing at least one or two, spending one or two holidays in the Caribbean Sea and you know renting a yacht that costs a hundred thousand dollars a month and so on and so forth <laughs> yes there are people like this no, 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 more than you think and so uh, so, um, when we meditate, gradually we come to realize, uh, as more and more joy and happiness is arising within, and also in the connection with renunciation, contentment is arising. So, you know, contentment would, you know, then arises with whatever we have, with whatever you know, social position you know, we uh, are, you know, or we find ourselves in. 
and then we realize that for true inner joy, happiness, peace, and you know, balance of mind and whatnot, we don't really need those external gadgets that much. If we have them, it's okay. If we don't have them, it's also okay. No, it's something, something like this. And what this then does, it's in a, in a sense, it's a form of inner liberation. You're less, you know, less you know, attached to uh, external things of you know, having to possess this, uh, uh, this object or you know, that object. And so, and then, um, the meditation practice, as uh, some have uh, reported, also leads uh, lead us to which wonderful qualities, mental qualities. Patience, yes, is certainly good. And, so, and then, oh, and then, closely related to patience is you know, which mental state? It starts in Pani with an M. <laughs> <laughs> For this, you have to know the Pani term. <laughs> so, Nicola, do you have any idea? Related to patience? Is yes. Oh, it comes under adosa, non-hatred. Patience is one aspect of uh, non-hatred. And the other one is, it starts with M in, in Pani, and in English it starts with an L. <laughs> well, loving kindness. So, metta. Your metta. So, as an, an, a further outcome, and so please do understand you know, for the arising of uh, you know, loving kindness, metta, you don't even have to do you know, Brahma Vihara practice. It's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, an, an additional you know, benefit that you get. Like uh, when you go to you know, uh, Trader's Joe, then you get three, you, know, you, know, you get one f- for free, or even two for free. And so, so, um, this arising of metta, loving kindness, and uh, their compassion, karuna, and sympathetic joy and equanimity, as we've discussed already, these happen as part of our Vipassana or Satipatthana practice. And so, it's just when the the mind is pretty much purified, at least temporarily, purified of the major unwholesome mental states, and then naturally do these wholesome qualities, these so-called divine abodes, arise. And with this, then comes another major change in our life, namely. Many people who do not practice, I'm not saying all, but certainly many, tend to be rather uh, self-centered, rather ego-centered. And so, so you know, they're always concerned you know, with their own needs and trying to meet their own needs. And their thoughts are you know, you know, circling around so, you know, you know, themselves and their immediate you know, family. And that's, and that's family and maybe work. And that's about it. And there is hardly any room you know, for seeing others. 
and this over time changes and so as one and this is a natural outcome of you know, the meditation practice as you see over and over again and that in the end there is no self and there's nothing to identify with in the end everything is dissolving and so, so you know, what does the self have to, you know, to get attached to or to identify with well you know, then gradually the mind gets the point that the self isn't all that important and once this is happening to some extent then we start to realize there are other beings around us <laughs> and they also have a right to exist and they also might have certain needs and so you now why and then uh, one might be struck by a wonderful idea oh what if I help this other person to achieve his or her you know, uh, needs or goals and so gradually over time with this you know, Satipatthana practice are we moving away you know, from a self-centered from self-centeredness you know, to uh, a more um, position of uh, being more tuned uh, into to um, you know, the needs or seeing you know, seeing others and uh, their, their needs. Now, another major you know, change you know, that something happens you know, in the course of one's meditation, and this is over a longer period of time. As human beings, especially as non-meditators, we tend to have a very bad habit, namely we always or oftentimes think highly of ourselves and you know, it's easy for us to you know, disparage others and to find fault with others so we're constantly you know, seeing others mistakes and shortcomings and you know, disadvantages and what not now these um, you know, changes and as one American previously none but I think now no more uh, stated in her own words the meditation practice has helped her to move away from seeing others mistakes to seeing her own mistakes and it is when we see our own mistakes that we can make the necessary adjustments and improve uh, our ways, be they mental, bodily, or you know, verbal. Now, maybe one more thing the Visuddhi Manga says with regard to, you know, or uh, in its chapter uh, or the section on you know, the first uh, insight knowledge it speaks uh, of a person who has found uh, a foothold and who has found comfort in you know, the Buddha's uh, teachings and the quote is as uh, follows it's from chapter 19 uh, paragraph 27 when a meditator 
practicing insight has become possessed of this knowledge and what this refers to is, is the first the very first insight knowledge um, namely the, the knowledge that corresponds to the purification by overcoming doubt and so when a person is possessed of this knowledge he or she has found comfort in the Buddha's dispensation or teachings and has found a foothold and uh, is certain of his or her destiny such a person is called a lesser stream enterer a so-called Chula Sotapanna and then the Visuddhimagga offers a verse which goes as follows so would a bhikkhu or a meditator overcome, a bhikkhu bhikkhuni or a lay meditator overcome his or her doubts and then ever mindfully let her discern conditions both of mind and matter thoroughly and so what this then means once a meditator has gained correctly gained the first insight knowledge with this uh, the person has found a firm foothold and uh, then um, well is bound to, to move on uh, into uh, the second uh, insight knowledge and so it is relatively easy to become a lesser stream enterer, but it's more difficult to become a so-called Maha Nasotapana, a great Nasotapana, so a true uh, in the true sense. Now, what was mentioned yesterday about the unshakable faith in, uh, in a Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha, of uh, uh, stream enter, of course, was said uh, with regard uh, to the great uh, Sotapanna, so the Maha Sotapanna and not the uh, lesser Sotapanna. So I'm saying this just for clarification. Now, sometimes certain meditators ask, well, um, what are the benefits? What are the benefits for us you know, when you know, we are on a retreat and we don't as yet attain the higher insight knowledges, you know, but rather we attain, let's say, you know, the first you know, five insight knowledges? Well, um, the to this certain question we can answer that just gaining um, or the very the very fact that one is gaining already the first certain five insight knowledges is a tremendous achievement and with this comes already a tremendous understanding of you know, the basics of the meditation practice and you know, as most of you know by now you know, when you know, one has gained some, you know, the knowledge of the you know, fast arising passing away of formations you know, and so, uh, including you know, experiencing the imperfections of insight you know, then one feels rather um, inspired uh, to carry on uh, with one's uh, meditation practice and so, so you know, this uh, is a good certain starter and so on top of this uh, mm, 
an understanding of uh, the three universal characteristics is certainly there. Now, it is certainly said, but uh, uh, I keep uh, uh, looking, still looking for you know, the reference. Mm, it is said in you know, Burma you know, that a person who has gained the fourth insight knowledge, namely the knowledge of the fast arising, passing away affirmations, um, if he or she practices under the guidance of a you know, skilled teacher, is bound you know, to you know, realize that uh, uh, the Dhamma is bound to gain you know, the stream entry. But please, I do uh, like uh, the reference uh, for uh, this statement. Now, this uh, then uh, brings us uh, to um, the end of tonight's uh, talk. And uh, let me conclude by wishing that may all of you taste uh, this uh, uh, taste of uh, freedom or of uh, liberation vimuti rasa not only at the beginning of your practice but also during the uh, middling era of your practice and eventually based on diligent and steady practice during this retreat and also future retreat or further retreats in the future plus daily practice at home may it lead you to an experience of uh, um, the supramundane aspect of uh, you know, the taste of uh, freedom, and something uh, may it uh, thus lead you, uh, lead uh, you and all of us you know, to true knowledge and uh, to uh, liberation. And this is it for tonight. So, you have any comments? And uh, Nicola, I still owe you some explanations on Lumbini. You still want to hear on Lumbini? Yes. yes? Okay. No? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, but before this, uh, Amy. What number is the knowledge of equanimity of formations? Yes. What number is that? Oh, well. Mm, it's a double-digit number. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it consists of one single figure. <laughs> but it's the same figure. <laughs> so, 11. <laughs> but, so, you know, don't go by the numbers. Go by the truth and by the full expression. This <laughs> So, going by numbers is a, is a bad habit. And I'm getting into this, I know. So, and then, yes, uh, Yona. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, in my experience, your teaching style is unique. Whose teaching style? Yours. Oh, oh my. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> why, why is that? Well, I wanted to ask you if this is something that's developed on your own. 
the methodology and um, and I and the specific question I have is I, I wonder what your perspective is on the difference between sort of a natural unfolding of these insights and a directed you know we'll look at this or look at that and how mm-hmm. all that works and. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay, so to answer... I like it, but... <laughs> I mean, you... Or it's working for you. Very interesting. I mean, is this something only you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. Yeah, so, all of these, all of this, of course, is based on the Buddhist teachings. No? And as you've noticed uh, during the Dhamma talks, uh, you know, I keep referring back uh, you know, to passage, one passage from you, another passage from there and so on so it's always from my perspective uh, it's a nice way or a nice you know, way you know, to you know, uh, you know have the you know, have the Buddha have his word or no let me um, uh, give the Buddha a chance to express it in his words you know and actually it's just oh in the end many of many, if not all, of uh, the statements given, statements, discourses given by the Buddha are actually quite powerful. No? And this we realize when we are on a, on a retreat. Gradually we get the deeper meaning. No? So anyways, that's just one, you know, one aspect. So, uh, based on the Buddha's teachings, and then um, the, you know, the most venerable Sadhu Pandita, of course, uh, has been my teacher for, you know, for many years. And uh, and so I've practiced under him, um, um, and then also over many years, you know, sat in you know, doing interviews you know, that he conducted for foreign meditators in Burma, and so, you know, sitting in, and, so, you know, and then with a notepad, and writing down what the meditators say, writing down what Sainupandita said in return, and so on and so forth. And I just patiently, back then I didn't even know why I was doing it. Uh, no. so well, one reason was not to fall asleep. <laughs> and, uh, and so, at home, or in Lumbini, I have a whole, you know, I have a bunch of, a pack of, uh, a whole you know, pile of uh, notebooks filled you know, with uh, reports that meditators have given over the years in Burma, and uh, now also in, in Lumbini. You know? So that's, uh, yeah, that has also contributed contributed uh, greatly and uh, and then I guess another another point that uh, was you know, a helpful point was uh, the venerable side of Pandita was kind enough you know, um, to take me along you know, on you know these certain uh, dhamma you know, dhamma trips abroad, and when he was invited uh, to teach retreats uh, here in the states in Europe, and uh, so then I went along and uh, uh, translated for him, and so translated the dhamma talks and conducted interviews for you know, for the yogi. So you know, that's uh, you know, that's another point, but I guess. A major uh, factor that has uh, uh, contributed and shaped my way of uh, working with the meditators are the meditators themselves. 
you know? And just see in Lumbini, I do more or less the same thing I do here. You know? We have six interviews a week, and so, so every day except for Saturdays, and so, sometimes going even into the afternoon, and, so, and and then there I give three Dhamma talks a week, so three live talks, and so on the remaining days, you know, the meditators so, they listen to some CD recorded you know, Dhamma talk, either Sadhu Pandita or you know, one of my you know, my you know, recorded talks, and so. Um, you know, just this exposure you know, to you know, the meditators uh, over by now quite a number of years, and basically it's non-stop. It's kind of like uh, through almost uh, 365 days a year, and so, uh, and I like being with meditators. No, I really appreciate it a lot because I see meditators as as being as human beings who are um, you know willing to you know, purify you know, their minds and so you know, this is already much better than average. And so, so, anyways, and so, you know, I've started in, in Lumbini, I started from scratch. And so, you know, started from scratch, you know, putting my Dhamma talks you know, together from, you know, things you know, that I remembered from Saito Pandita and his books and you know, then Visuddhimaga. Also, what helped a lot over the years was, um, you know, going back to the Visuddhimaga and then seeing what does it say. No? Now, some of those statements are actually quite complicated, but you know, going over them over again and again and having to explain you know, the, you know, these various points to the meditators over and over again and in ways that you know, you know, people can understand, you know, that then gradually has also uh, uh, helped. And so occasionally what I do is uh, I kind of get on a study project, and so then I try to figure out, okay, how do meditators experience you know, the mental state or mental factor of sukha, so happiness? No? How do they report it? How do they experience it and uh, report it? And then I keep writing and collecting. And so, you know, then after a while it may be another mental state, or maybe next time it's tranquility, or you know, who knows what comes next. Uh, no. And so, so now then, over, uh, over the years, um, and in Lubini, I still write down you know, you know, the reports of, given by the meditators. You know. And occasionally, I, you know, occasionally, also what I do is, um, um, you know, there are always some meditators who, are, you know, who have very clear experiences. And so, so you know, then I might go over their reports and so let's say if particular insight knowledge is not quite not quite clear or a certain aspect needs to be understood better then I see what they reported back then and look at my own experiences from um, from Burma and so on and so this this then becomes very uh, very detailed and uh, and do you so do you think that like in my experience you know, it's just the more open-ended direction to continue to be mindful versus now look at the dissolution of objects, you know, because you're ready to do that. Oh, well, I do simply just, you know, under the premises of life is short and so, you know, the Dhamma is profound, there's much to be you know, realized, we m- might as well uh, get, the, you know, get things done uh, somewhat quickly. 
No? And, and under these premises, uh, I do, uh, you know, kind of give hints or leading questions to meditators or prepare the ground for what might happen next. And no, no, this much is okay. It's not at all. And let's um, see. Um, and for, from a meditator's point of view, no, if you're, um, you know, you know, no, the only the guidance that you would know, receive is, um, is maybe you know, just a, a comment like good or so. Now this, <laughs> you know, well, this will uplift you for a moment or two, but then when you're back on your cushion, you still might not quite know uh, in which way to go. And as a result of this, see, a meditator oftentimes doesn't know in which direction to go. Now, like with the imperfections of inside the natural inclination human inclination is to go right into those imperfections and to drown in them now knowing this and so even even the teachers of their manuals do um, do emphasize this that the teacher has to uh, patiently over and over and over again remind the meditator don't get stuck in you know, those imperfections no, and certainly so that that then makes certain for for certain instruction, and so that will then make me you know drop a hint or 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 uh, I might say well look in this direction or that direction, and no. and I guess also to what see. Um, being being a Westerner and so having uh, you know uh, or at least partly grown up in uh, in in the West, um, I have you know some understanding of uh, you know the concepts uh, uh, other other Westerners uh, uh, have grown up with, so it's easy to relate to, but. You know, um, when meditation is taught across cultures, then uh, this adds an, uh, another uh, layer of difficulty to it. And so also, you know, uh, my approach these days is you know, be clear uh, about what we want in the meditation and yet you know, approach the whole thing uh, with a relaxed and so, you know, yet alert mind. No, so it's not this you know, just uh, uh, total goal-oriented approach. It's not that, absolutely not. No, but to know which way we're going, and so you know, then you know, uh, you know, then staying in the present moment and just observing whatever comes up. And no. Okay, so then, Cindy, your have question. Have you written any books? Or I mean? have you written any books, or do you have any um, talks available on CD or anything? Like that? Well, there are plenty. We have plenty in in Lumbini. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> you want to listen to them? <laughs> uh, 
yeah. It, well, mm, right now, right now there's uh, there are none on the internet, and uh, I have no extra copies uh, with me, but. So, Oh, well, I'll be happy to you know, provide you with uh, some copies once I get back. No. Yes, Jeff. Uh, a question about you talked uh, about the, the getting the first insight or the fourth insight, and then you practice under a teacher. Here, you'll probably get somewhere, but. What about, what about if you die in the meantime? What would practice? <laughs> ah, uh, yeah. Eh. So, uh, no, thank you very much for asking this question. Because um, yeah, that's another aspect that I actually forgot to mention during the talk. Namely, uh, Satipatthana practice as a preparation for death. So it's the best preparation you can think of. And so, you know, first of all, just to you know, you know, get familiar you know, with uh, you know, this mindful, mindfulness practice, so to know how to do it, and so, you know, then to purify the mind as, as much as one can, and so, you know, then when death is actually approaching, you know, to remember you know, that mindfulness and to keep the mind in a, uh, in a pure you know, place. And, uh, and to develop as much equanimity towards uh, uh, you know, the things that are happening. No. So, Sadhupanita says um, the best preparation you know, for, you know, uh, for death is uh, you know, to lead a good life. And to, to lead a good life means you know, to you know, well engage in wholesome activities, meritorious activities, uh, such as uh, you know, well, uh, uh, you know, keeping precepts, uh, uh, practicing uh, you know, satipatthana or you know, the jhanas, and uh, 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 reading dhamma books, listening to dhamma discourses, uh, uh, rendering the service, and so on. Does this answer? Oh, Yona, I have one question in return to you and maybe others. So you you asked about you know, this. You said it was a unique style and and so on. So could you help me to improve further? And is there anything that has annoyed you and that you feel that I should be doing differently in the future? And I'll be happy to do it, to take your words and then to make the necessary adjustments. In the end, it's going to be for the benefit of the meditators. Sometimes I, I think that maybe a longer, I don't know if it's practical, it wouldn't have been here, but sometimes a longer conversation to just clarify. Oh, you mean during the interviews? Yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes I left feeling like I hadn't, like the question you were asking me I could already answer, uh, but I didn't have time to. Uh, he didn't have time to get down to uh, Well, in, in Lumbini, what I, <coughs> sorry, in Lumbini, usually what I do is, um, in a case like this, I would uh, schedule the person to come last. 
last in line and so and then there's usually more more time and uh, practice in uh, uh, in Lumbini. Well, what do you want to know? <laughs> um, I have a bunch of questions and some of them are kind of nuts and bolts and I'm guessing not very interesting to some people. You, you mean like yeah. the food there? And <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more like if you need certain um, you know, like in Burma, a special meditation um, visa and those, those things. Oh, oh, yeah. So for for Nepal, so visas and then what else? Um, I'm curious if if you do any if there's any text study or if it's all practice, 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 and kind of what kind of. Um, rhythm you're moving at with, with the practice is it how intensive it is not like this nope um, yeah, just the sort of overall idea of what uh. the experience is and also if most of the other meditators are foreign or if there's um, Burmese or um, Indian mm. or I don't know I'm just curious what Oh, our mix there, uh, national mix of nationalities. Well, yeah, to start with the last uh, uh, question, you know, the center uh, or what uh, you know, the meditators who are, you know, are coming and practicing at the, at the center uh, come from a great num- different number of different uh, countries, and so you know, oftentimes we've had we have like you know, the meditators from 22 and I think in one year even up to 32 different nationalities there and so, so you know, the, you know, the name that was chosen for the center namely Panditarama Numbini International Repositimentation Center is really uh, or has come true so it's uh, an international mix and so but, oh, when and the you know, Venerable Sadhu Pandita you know, comes you know, to Lumbini in order you know, to teach a you know, 10 day retreat in February of every year. You know, then he brings you know, with him a number of uh, you know, Newar you know, meditators. It's usually just one, you know, it's one bus load you know, full of them, uh, or of them, and so about 35. And so at that point, we're somewhat crowded. And so uh, at that point, the you know, Niwars are in, are in the majority. But Niwar, it's an it's an ethnic uh, group in Nepal, and so it's actually a Buddhist group. Hmm? 
Pas mieux.
I know, but this is uh, this is for those who prefer the cold. And then you have uh, those <laughs> those people, those meditators who prefer the hot season over the cold season. But there are less of those. And there are times each year when you're there and gone. You're on a regular schedule in terms of. Oh, yes. Well, so far over the last couple of years, um, pretty much it's been the same thing. I've been away for three months out of a year, and for the remainder, I really make it a point to be available in Lumbini for the meditators. I'm not even traveling to India. And, uh, at the most, one trip, uh, one or two trips to Kathmandu for uh, maybe two, uh, two days or three days at the most, and that's it. And, and uh, um, yeah, well, you can guess. <laughs> yes, July is there, June is there. And uh, so, uh, anything, usually from about. You know, uh, Beginning of April you know, to oftentimes it works this way. Beginning of April, beginning to you know, beginning of July, or let's say mid-April, mid-July, or end of April, you know, the end of July. So it's basically uh, April to you know, July. And next year I'll be gone beginning of April and so returning um, end of July. So you know, there's that. Um, I last winter, you know, for the first time, there was a request from Sainte Upandita you know, that uh, um, I you know, should come or uh, you know return to Burma and translate during the two-month winter retreat there. Um, which you know, then I uh, turned down, um, giving a number of reasons, and uh, one of the well, you know, the main reason is that the winter season is the main reason, main season for us in Nombini, you know, in terms of uh, meditators. That's where we have the most meditators. Uh, in the summer, there's not that much, or not that many coming. And uh, the other reason was also of a financial nature. So I do hope uh, that I don't have to, um, or that uh, that uh, the Venerable Sadhu Pandita can make uh, other arrangements, and uh, that I can be available for meditators in Lumbini. Well, by waiting. Do you have a website where that information is? Yeah, yeah, there's a, you know, we have a website and so uh, if, really, if that really happens, which I don't think, um, then, yeah, then it will be posted there. What months would those be? Or December and January. No, but oh, um, this is—it's almost—it's. Uh, it would really go against, uh, um, you know, our our the development in uh, in Lumbini, and I don't think you know, that's certainly a side open will. Uh, 
if if really then at the most it would be for you know, for a shorter period of time I would insist on you know, at least trying to uh, you know find such a solution then um, maybe someone else uh, uh, also then translates those uh, talks but once again I don't think this will happen So that then takes care of, uh, care of the visa, and so, you know, so uh, and then from our monastery, you know, the two-month visa can be extended uh, with a you know, recommendation letter from you know, from the monastery, from the meditation center, and so, so it's feasible and it's good, especially for a longer stay, you know, to have a valid multiple uh, entry visa for India. And so, you know, so that helps uh, you know, for you know, for the visa run, uh, just in case the Nepali uh, uh, immigration is certainly causing problems. Uh, but it also saves you thirty dollars you know, uh, for the third month for this uh, you know, for the uh, third month extension, and uh, and and furthermore, just in case of some political turmoil, if you have that valid uh, multiple entry visa for India, you know, then uh, you can you know, any time cross over into India and you're safe. Uh, whereas uh, uh, otherwise you might be stuck in Nepal. In <laughs> so, well, in the past, you just wouldn't believe uh, under what kind of circumstances uh, uh, we've had to uh, operate. Now things have calmed down greatly. It's much more peaceful now than it, than it was maybe a year or two, a year, two ago. Um, so... Nepalese politics is such uh, that any political group or ethnic group that feels somewhat uh, uh, suppressed uh, will uh, declare uh, a general strike and then for the entire country and the entire country gets shut down and then there's no more uh, vehicles moving and all the shops are closed and uh, wherever you happen to be there you'll be stuck (laughs) for for a day or two or sometimes even longer and uh, uh, but uh, we've learned, uh, we've learned to you know, you know, to become more and more flexible, and there are always ways around it. So, uh, if you can, if uh, this kind of thing happens, and uh, maybe there's some you know, transportation strike or so, and the, you know, the vehicles are no longer you know, plying the roads. Um, and then there's still the rickshaws, and you might enjoy a rickshaw ride from Lumbini to the border, to the Indian border, which is not so bad after all. That's <laughs> <laughs> so just, you know, it's just a way of how you look at it. And, uh, so, and then, you know, this, uh, what was the second question? Oh, schedule, yes, right. So, a schedule. Now, the schedule is uh, well, somewhat closer to this one here. So, wake up at 4 and uh, 4 in the morning, you know, there's a bell, and you know, then 
the first sitting you know, from just like here from five to six breakfast at six and uh, you know, then followed you know, by um, you know, alternating periods of sitting meditation walking meditation and please notice we have no work period <laughs> <laughs> you may like that <laughs> and so we do require though that uh, the meditators keep their you know, their room clean and uh, contribute uh, you know, to the cleanliness of the common bathroom you know, and so once a week and three you know, meditators sign up uh, um, you know, to clean the, you know, the meditation hall. So this involves sort of vacuum cleaning and so on. But that's, uh, you know, that's it. Um, you know, and so, so anyways, so practice in the morning hours and so interviews just like here, you know, starting sometimes 8.30 depending on the number of meditators and, so, and then lunch at 11 from 11 to 12, you know, then a, a nap period or rest period until you know, 12.30 and then you know, a walking session from 12.30 to 1 and then sitting from 1 to 2 and then walking two to three and so on and there's one longer sitting in the afternoon from um, or a sitting of one and a half hours I think it was until five o'clock so from three thirty or so to five o'clock something like this or, or from three to you know, four thirty and uh, you know, then Dhamma talk uh, one hour earlier than here, so 5.30, and then juice at 7, and so, you know, then um, you will know, usually you know, meditators go until about 9 o'clock, but uh, of course uh, you know, those whose practice is going quite strong, uh, they, uh, they practice much longer than that. No, so that's certainly the in terms of schedule, and and then uh, we do not uh, offer, at least not for the time being, offer any sutta studies or so. I wouldn't personally, personally, I would be even interested in that, but. um, So far, our center is uh, a practice-only center. No. However, um, if you're flexible, um, things could be worked out. In Lumbini, there is the so-called Lumbini International Research Institute, which has a big, big library on well, world religions with an emphasis on Buddhism. And so they have the entire Tipitika, Theravada Tipitika in Burmese, in Burmese script, in Thai script, in Roman script, in English translation. I think they're trying to get the singly version and then also the entire Tibetan canon and you know, the Chinese text and you know, then uh, plenty of you know, commentaries and uh, modern you know, books on Buddhism and so on and so forth. And so if you are interested in Buddhist studies then what you could do is um, stay at one of the other monasteries like the Korean monastery as a, uh, as a you know, pilgrim or meditator or, or, or student of Buddhism and so, you know, then every day you, know, you go over to the library and so, you, know, you make some arrangements uh, uh, with uh, you know, the director there, Dr. Coopers and so, you know, then he would uh, well, get you all the books that you want to read and 
and you do your studies there, you know, that would be more self-studies. And, uh, or, and one never knows something. See, in Lumbini we try to be, uh, or as a whole, we would, you know, the entire monastic community, we're quite flexible. You know, so, um, there's also the so-called Myanmar Golden Temple, which is uh, a Burmese government monastery, and which the Burmese government set up for you know, their uh, Burmese pilgrims to have an accommodation. And so, you know, at that monastery they have, uh, well, they usually have two you know, monastics, Burmese Sayados in residence, and they tend to be um, you know, well-educated in terms of Pariyati, no? And some of them, uh, with the English, we'll, we'll have to see. But someone, you know, I could help you schedule something with them. And, or with the Thai, you know, Thai monastics, or just you know, something. So, that's, you know, that's that. What, what else? So, any Alan, you, do you have any uh, connected question? It occurred to me, how, how do you support your, your monastery? Oh, our center is uh, operating entirely on a donation basis, uh, so on the Dana principle, and so, you know, this has been the case ever since the beginning, and since day one, and so, uh, we've never, and Sadhu Pandita expressly asked us uh, not to set any, you know, any fee, and so, you know, we've very much you know, lived according you know, to and you know, worked uh, according to his certain direction and so basically uh, I guess our main source of uh, uh, you know financial financial resource comes from the meditators themselves you know, however, you know, having I, I don't even know the exact certain percentage, you know, but however, within the last you know, year or a year and a half, you know, there was a, some heavy construction uh, you know, that took place, which is now more or less uh, uh, you know, over. And so, like we built an ordination hall, and that was quite expensive, and so. You know, so then a number of non-meditators uh, contributed towards this. And, uh, and in a sense, it's... Uh, um, it's really, it's really inspiring you know, to see how you know, how the center developed more or less from scratch. I know, and so, um, when I started some, over nine years ago, you know, Sainte Upanita sent uh, um, four thousand five hundred uh, Nepali you know, rupees uh, uh, per month as food money. So that's uh, slightly more than fifty dollars. It was slightly more than fifty dollars. And so, and then gradually the meditators showed up and they stayed and they donated and so <laughs> we managed to survive. <laughs> so, any more? There's some question in the there's some person in the back I can't, can't quite see. The elevation. Oh, it's Nick. Oh. 
Nick, I have good news for you. We are at a particularly low elevation, which is hard to beat, namely 100 meters above sea level. No. So, this is close to, close to perfect, close to what you're used from Florida. Wait, there's one more who's I'm not quite believing. I have a question, um, hopefully it's not to duplicate, but I'm interested in the retreat that's December to January in Burma. Yes, right. How would a meditator know if that would be useful for them to go to? And, um, yeah, is that a good, um, I can't read what I wrote now. Yeah, I got your note. Introduction to Burma. I mean, I want to study with Well, if you want to study with Nesadu Pandita, this would be indeed the best time to do so. Because during those two months, he'll be in residence and he'll be giving most of the Dharma talks. However, he's no longer conducting interviews. And so, but there will be a number of other, or, or he will be assisted by a number of other you know, Burmese Nisayadas. And so, so they then will conduct the, the interviews. And so that retreat seems like very well organized. And it will take place at the so-called Semangon or Panditarama Semangon Forest Meditation Center, which is about 40 miles northeast of Yangon, so towards Pogo. And so it's a, it's a big forest center. By now, I think it's over 100 acres, and they've got plenty of buildings there. You know, meditation uh, meditation huts, like over a hundred uh, uh, buildings, and certain so, you know, food is uh, you know, well. Sadhu um, Upanita oftentimes likes to say he he likes to under uh, what's the word um, not underestimate understate. He likes to understate it by calling it jungle food. But it's a jungle food consisting of at least uh, you know, three main dishes or three main courses in, with uh, all together in nine, ten, eleven different dishes. So you know, there's much more than enough food there. And uh, and so, no, 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 translation will be available. And so, no, no, there are many, no, no, many meditators who are no, no, going there in the winter. And, no, and so I heard you know, last winter you know, there were over over a hundred, if not even total, as a total number, uh, even approaching two hundred. No, that's not 200 all at the same time, but certainly, you know, uh, over the two-month period. And, uh, and so, but for that, do know uh, it's certainly going to be tough, 
and it's going to be tight discipline and uh, just like Yona uh, said uh, uh, well, wake up bell at you know, 3 o'clock in the morning and the first sitting is uh, I think at 4 and so on and so, you know, they're very strict on not allowing the meditators you know, to uh, go back uh, to their you know, rooms um, outside of the schedule and also after, after lunch yes but uh, not in between and so in, it seems, that's the impression I get, I don't know for sure, but it seems at night uh, uh, you have to stay in the hall uh, until the last sitting is over. And also, um, the, the more um, the more you you are prepared in or um, the more your you know, your own meditation practice is developed um, before you go there, the better for you no and i 'm saying this because you know, then you know, you'll you know, be you know if sometimes it gets certain you know, difficult you know, then um, you know, then it will be easier for you, you know, to handle the situation no of course naturally you'll you know, receive you know, lots of uh, support in the form of interviews and so on but i 'm just on on top of that. Well, now, what else do you want to know about Burma or, or that retreat? So, is it safe? Safe, safe. Mm, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Having never traveled to India or anything like that. Uh, uh, well, there's at least, there's definitely mm, probably less upheaval than in Nepal. No. <laughs> 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 uh, no. Oh, it's. Uh, no. On the surface, on the sur- on the surface, Myanmar seems or is quite peaceful. Then, any more questions? Yes. There's one in the back. Yes. Oh yeah. Who, who, please just speak up. Um, in Shri Center, in oh, John. Are, there, uh, are there any nuns living there? Where? At Shri Yes, we have two. Uh-huh. And two Burmese nuns. And, oh, actually, sorry, now we have even three. And so we have two Burmese and one newly arrived from Taiwan. And so she will be there for a year as a volunteer. So it's basically the, the three, the four of us who, uh, who are running the center, and then we have local staff. What kind of food do you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> food to eat. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, well, it's uh, breakfast is somewhat uh, similar to here. Maybe uh, not as uh, um, uh, as high uh, high class as here, but we do have we have usually we offer muesli, 
you know, the muesli with cornflakes and then you know, the, as a specialty you know, buffalo uh, or, or you know, yogurt made from uh, from buffalo milk and uh, you know, then with fruits and then monastery baked fresh bread and uh, you know, then buffalo milk and then your usual you know, selection of uh, uh, coffee and tea to go with the buffalo milk and <laughs> uh, and so, so that's oh and then cheese uh, and the cheese from Butwal and then the usual the usual thing and then you know, for lunch you know, the rice is the staple and then you know, depending on who cooks uh, you know, sometimes we have Burmese uh, various uh, Burmese you know, vegetarian dishes so you know, there will be typically you know, one or two um, vegetable dishes and you know, then maybe some you know, tofu dish or you know, even that mixed and you know, then some, uh, some sort of a Dessert and dessert, and to soup and uh, uh, oftentimes uh, fruits. And that's um, uh, well. And so, over you know, overall, you know, the meditators are uh, getting. Uh, or, Alan, what do you think? Food. Yeah. Okay. It's also clean. It's well presented, and it's abundant. Okay. And water. And water. Our water is uh, uh, well first boiled and then on top of this filtered, so it goes through a ceramic filter. Uh, no. So in India, when you travel in India, you have to be very careful uh, not to get sudden uh, some gastrointestinal uh, well, illness. Um, but at the center, usually um, the meditators are quite okay. Once in a while, yes, there is something, but uh, it's, it's not that uh, not that frequent. No, and so uh, if you, you know, plan on turning coming, you know, then uh, you know if you want to be you know, absolutely on the safe side, then you know, bring some you know, water purifying tablets or you know, you know just some water purifying you know, device, and also bring you know, maybe in, in addition to the food, uh, you bring some uh, the food that you you're getting at the center, you bring some multivitamin tablets and uh, uh, or and what some of our meditators do, they bring their own uh, peanut butter because they, they like to have uh, some more of that and so they just put it on the table and that's fine. And, uh, yes, Yona. Oh, I just wanted to know how we would find out when you're coming back here to the States. Oh, yes. you, know, this, uh, you better you know, address Marcia and Chris. <laughs> Well, this is uh, you know, still in process. We, we don't not know. Uh, quite. But how, how, does anybody know how I could get on a list or stay informed of that retreat when, oh. whenever it goes? Uh, so, uh, 
Probably, probably. And so, yeah, so it's definitely not going to be 2008, but maybe 2009 or, 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 or then more likely 2010. And I haven't made up my mind yet. And you know, it's also a matter of see, for this retreat, as you've heard at the beginning, um, he's limited my stay abroad to you know, three months. And so when I actually when I first planned this trip, it was more than three months. It was something like 112 or 114 days. And so, so I sent you know, my travel you know, uh, or the schedule you know, to him for for his blessing and final approval. And so the comments in you know, return was kindly you know, don't exceed three months. And as a result of this, I had to cut short you know, this retreat by two days and um, you know, the retreat at the Forest Refuge in Barrie by three days and so, you know, the retreat in Australia by four days. And I'm still slightly you know, above now. 90 days, and this has partly to do with the traveling. No, 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 no there's extra days, some extra days. And so, uh, so um, then in the future, you know, the Europeans they want to have uh, a one-month retreat here, one-month retreat in, uh, in, in, in the forest refuge. There's an invitation for a one-month retreat, and maybe, and maybe, maybe even Canada, maybe Israel. Who knows? I know. So, uh, how to, I, I haven't made up my mind how to how to arrange that. But will it likely you be going back to the forest refuge also? Uh, <laughs> 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 well, where do you prefer to have the retreat? <laughs> You'd rather have it. Do you do it for longer? Like, would you, would you consider doing it for a month? Uh, yes, actually, I'm, see, um, I really prefer mm, doing a longer one-month retreat over over a ten-day retreat or a twenty-day retreat. No, because as by now all of you or most of you know, with a longer retreat, you know, there's just a greater potential to move ahead further. If you just do a weekend retreat or a ten-day retreat, well, by the time you've warmed up a little bit, it's already time to go back home, and. Uh, and, and also from, from my side it's somewhat boring having <laughs> 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 to hear the same reports and go, you know the, the five hindrances and <laughs> over and over again <laughs> there's a drawback to giving many interviews a week <laughs> Uh, uh, so, no, 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 you, would you prefer to have it in New Mexico or in? Uh, <laughs> oh, and uh, you're proposing Santa Cruz, California. Uh, what? You have a place there? Do you have a place there? Uh, no, but please, Yona, no, organizing a retreat and sitting a retreat is not the same thing. <laughs> I 
So, uh, so far the decision is not out, so we'll, we'll just have to wait. And I don't, personally, I don't know yet. Okay, anything else? Your website addresses? Oh, I just don't remember. oh the website address is www. and then dash in the middle and then lumbini.info. So. And your schedule is on there, right? That's and the schedule, no, 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 well, I, for, no, I hope for the next year it's on there already. Do you mark on the schedule to the countries you go to um, if the Dharma talks are in English? Um, that's... We'll see. Well, next year, well, in the future, definitely it will be marked. Or next year, I'll be conducting a nine-day retreat in Germany, and so for the very first time, just imagine. (laughs) So far, I've always avoided giving retreats in Germany. (laughs) And uh, so, anyway, so now that retreat will be in German, most likely. Any, anything else? We're almost approaching nine o'clock, so um, maybe this much for it, uh, tonight. And uh, you know, then I wish all of you um, uh, well, uh, a fruitful continuation of your uh, retreat here until the tw- the morning of uh, the twenty fifth, and then when you go back. Um, when you uh, get on the you know, the bus here, please don't leave your dhamma practice behind, <laughs> but rather take it with you. And, so, and then at home, uh, keep it nice and warm. And, so, <laughs> and, so, and then, um, and then we'll just uh, do another retreat whenever an opportunity uh, comes up. And so, who knows? Sooner or later, uh, we'll meet again. Uh, either here or in Lumbini or uh, in Santa Cruz or at the in Barry, uh, who knows where. Well, uh, and so then, then tomorrow morning, um, well, Alan and I will be uh, leaving, and so uh, Chris is uh, then kind enough uh, to uh, drive us to up to Taos. So I say, uh, or yeah, well, I say uh, goodbye to all of you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.